Hello, welcome to This Cosmic Home, where I talk through tools and strategies and mindsets that help you bring more harmony and happiness into your home so your family can walk into the world with the foundation of unconditional love. I'm your host, Isabel Jones. All right, so moving along in the cosmic home. So I started this whole little series where I'm building upon, I'm kind of showcasing the building blocks of what a cosmic home really looks like. And um, I started with childhood wounds. If you haven't listened to that one, um, it's really just a walkthrough of the most effective way to heal your wounds and heal your trauma um, so you can move forward. Because really, I mean, the fact is, if you don't see it and you don't heal it, then you're going to repeat it. Um, And that's why that's really probably the most important step. Um, Because whether you actually acknowledge it or not, especially if you don't acknowledge it, you're childhood experience is influencing every single choice that you make, every single reaction you have. Um, Sorry, my throat's a little scratchy today. I am getting over a sickness and it's, uh, you know, just that's it. So anyway, so if you haven't listened to the childhood wounds episode yet, definitely go back and do that because you really cannot move forward unless you start that process. You don't have to be like, you know, a superhero or 100% healed or even 90% healed. Like you don't have to, or even 10% healed. Like it's really the awareness that matters. Um, so if you can start that process, you're, you're just automatically going to change. I mean, the minute that you decide to see it, you're, you're changed because you can never unsee it. And you'd have to actually actively work harder than most people are even subconsciously or consciously willing to do to put it back into the dark. So if you simply just acknowledge it, then, then you're good. Um, and then you're ready to move forward and start to kind of spread that awareness within your family. Um, that's really what this is all about because that's that's all you can do. You cannot change anyone else around you, but you can influence your family, assuming that, you know, um, this is for like couples, families, trying like parents trying to help their kids to live a more aware, free, sovereign, awakened life. Um, and it, it starts with you. And so, you know, if that's really who you are and what you're trying to do or something that you hope for in the future um, and you have gotten all of your wounds figured out and you are currently in a couple of some one kind or another if you are co-parenting with someone coexisting with someone um, then this episode is for you so today I want to talk about relationships and I want to talk about sort of the evolution of what relationships have been, what they're becoming, um, and then what a relationship really looks like between two completely self-actualized individuals. Not completely, but, you know, on the path. Um, and, you know, the, the fact of the matter is it's not very easy to do this stuff by yourself. Um, and I know that 
it is a personal journey. You know, you come into the world alone, you leave the world alone, there's nothing you can do, blah, 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 you don't need anyone. No, that's not, that's not a thing. Because, I mean, evolution is not dumb. The whole entire point of evolution, the whole entire point of that process is to make us the best that we can be. So naturally, evolution is meant to take the best and get rid of the worst, which is really what we should be doing. If we want to evolve as humans, period, and, you know, in one lifetime, that's all you have to do is say, that doesn't work, get rid of it. That does work, let's keep it. It's pretty much that simple. It's not always easy, but it's about that simple. Um, You know, so if you're kind of in this place where you feel like you're not allowed to depend on your partner, rely on your partner, um, need your partner, want your partner. Like if, you know, this is a real place that people get to, especially when they're on this kind of personal growth, spiritual journey, because there's a lot of narratives out there that basically say, if you need someone, then you're not doing it right. And that's so far from the truth because we have evolved to need people. I mean, belonging is a basic necessity. It's really something that human beings need to feel safe. And part of belonging is working together on things and having that community that you can really depend upon. So I just wanted to preface with that. So as we go in and talk about relationships, let's first kind of look at the evolution of what relationships really are. Um, Because they have not always been this super loving, you know, like, like spiritual partner kind of thing. That's actually, this is a fairly new concept. And I think relationships are actually really important to talk about right now, because we're sort of in this new territory of relationship that is interesting. And um, honestly, I think it's difficult to navigate. And I, I would say, that's sort of why we're seeing this weird push and pull between like divorce, marriage, commitment, or no commitment, or being all alone forever, or like, you know, it's like, there's this really weird social shift happening where it's not just a given that you're going to get married, even if you want to have kids. And, you know, it's not just a given that you're going to be together forever or have one life partner, like, there's this weird shift. And so, kind of get into that. So, you know, if you think about sort of what relationships were like a long time ago, I don't know how long ago. I'm not good with dates. If you haven't noticed, I'm not good with dates or times, but I can say a long time ago, like pre-industrial revolution, you really, marriage was a way to gain status, um, and a way to be safe. I mean, really, it's not like you could look at the, you know, no offense to scrawny guys, like, you know, more power to you right now, but way back in the day when what you really wanted and what you needed in life was to literally just live. You just needed someone who could go and wrestle the bear out back or go and work in the fields and, you know, plow away and make sure that you had food. Like when that was it, like it didn't really matter if you enjoyed being around someone, oftentimes it was just like, hey, my dad has a farm and your dad has a farm and we're next door neighbors. So if 
we get married, then the farms double and we get twice as much stuff. That was pretty much it. It didn't really matter anything beyond that. It was irrelevant. It was just like, why would you dare to even consider if you love this person? I mean, don't you see all the stuff that they can offer you? So that was really marriage for a very long time. It was just a way to gain more. It was a way to sort of, I mean, it was just what you did to survive basically. I mean, it was a survival instinct to just pair up with someone and, uh, you know, they keep you safe. You give them kids and, uh, that's pretty much it. Or, you know, if you're a dude listening to this, reverse that, but you know what I mean? So that was really the purpose of marriage for the longest time. And then you have the industrial revolution really I mean, it changed a lot in society, obviously, because all of a sudden it wasn't really a game of survival. It then became a game where you could start to thrive. It was like, okay, I don't go, I mean, you know. So, so once we kind of started to evolve beyond needing that safety, you know, once we kind of got to that point of, and I mean, Maslow's hierarchy of needs that if you have not heard of it, if you haven't seen it, go look it up because it's seriously like the perfect way to view human beings and the way that we grow. Um, cause it happens on a personal level, but it also happens on a grand scale. So, you know, if you look at it from a marriage perspective for the longest time, that lowest tier, like shelter, food, and safety, like that was pretty much like your just basic survival needs of I need to drink water, eat food, and not get rained on all the time. Like, it's pretty much all I need. So at that point, marriage really was not something that that you could even consider to be a loving relationship. It was like a more of a business transaction of I want to survive, you want to survive, and just socially and physically this makes the most sense. We will likely survive the best and we will likely be able to provide better survival for our offspring if the two of us get together. And that's pretty much it. So then you get to this point where we have all that stuff. Most people have houses, most people have food, most people have access to this stuff. And then marriage kind of becomes a little bit more of a feelings-based situation, you know, and you know, where I'm saying marriage, if you aren't into marriage, that's fine. But you, the, it's the concept of like long term commitment, like picking a person and saying, yeah, I want to do major stuff, like live with you and have kids with you and buy a house with you and live alongside you for a long time, like that kind of thing. But anyway, so then we kind of get into this period where love is actually something that you can consider in getting married because I mean at that point you can pretty much I mean once the discrepancy between once there is no longer this need for like physical work you know like at that point women have been able to kind of take care of themselves because it's not really about the physical ability at that point it's really more like can we can all we're all physically capable of sitting at a desk we're all physically capable of working in a factory for the most part like we're all physically capable of that stuff so it really wasn't this need this necessity 
It was, it just kind of became something that you want to do. And so then finally you could fall in love and that's how you get married. And that's really been the whole, I mean, up until I would say baby boomers were kind of the last of the love-based marriage. They, they, you know, they were not definitely the farthest from survival-based marriage, um, survival influenced, whatever. So, so then once you have the love-based marriage, it's still not quite what we know of today. So, I mean, you'll kind of notice that like a baby boomer or traditionalist generation of marriage, it's a lot different than like a millennial marriage. And, there's, I mean, there's so many reasons for that, but a big thing is, you know, we have this love-based marriage, but that doesn't mean that you're fully self-actualized. It doesn't mean, like, the love-based marriage is where we got when we needed belonging. So that's really what that offers. It's like, okay, so I don't need you to survive, but I do want a community of people. I do need my tribe, you know. So the love-based marriage at that point was really necessary because that's how you feel like you belong. And if you wanted to get along with people socially, like if you wanted to have a kid back in, you know, when baby boomers were having kids, like, you kind of had to be married or you were a social outcast. And if you wanted to live with someone, you kind of had to be married. I mean, like there were these things that you kind of just had to do, but you had the freedom to decide that you're going to be in love with them. So it doesn't have to be perfect, but if you want to do it, then, you know, if you want to belong, then you get married and you just do that and you do your best to get married to someone that you're in love with. But there's a lot that's left out of that. I mean, there's, you know, just who you are as a person. If you kind of look at the average baby boomer, Gen Xer marriage, sure, maybe some of them are like madly in love, entirely accepting of each other. But I mean, a lot of it is still very business. It's still very much so a business transaction. And yes, they love each other. You can see the love. But the but love is just so-so. And I'll get into that in a little bit. But that's sort of where we get into this new form of partnership. And it's the, um, the self-expression marriage. Um, it, is, it is this idea, um, and all of these concepts are from this amazing book called The All or Nothing Marriage. And that's, you know, kind of going over the timeline of marriages from like Abraham Lincoln's parents all the way to today. So it's pretty interesting if you like that kind of thing, but they really walk you through this. And so now we're at this like self-expression era of marriage where your partner needs to be more than someone that helps you survive or someone that you love. They actually have to be your best friend. They have to be like your life partner. They have to be your co-parent. They have to be almost to a certain extent your therapist. They literally have to be everything to you. And, you know, before you're like, whoa, that's a lot. It's actually interesting because marriages are the best now. Like if you just look at the statistics of it, like a marriage that happens with, you know, anything from the last, like, I don't know, like 15, 10, 15 years on, 
It's actually the best version of marriage. It's the most fulfilling, but it is the hardest amount of work. And I think that's where we're sort of seeing this hesitancy. We're seeing this kind of drawback. Like, I mean, at this point, you can pretty much do anything with another human being without truly connecting, like not connecting, without truly committing to them long term. Um, and it's totally acceptable. So at this point, like, you literally don't have to commit to anyone for anything. So your expectations are going to be higher. And the expectations are going to be, for the most part, realistic. Um, but I think this is kind of, you know, in every, in every modern version of something, you know, like, we have, like, social media. And for the most part, social media is really helpful. But when you take it like that extra step, it's no longer helpful. It's there. It's then unhealthy. Um, and that's sort of when you have to pull from, you have to pull from past ideas, you know. So now we have all this technology and we could literally sit and be part of it all day, every day. But now we have to realize, okay, well, that's not healthy. That's like an overcorrection to the survival instincts that we have. So now we need to go back and consider, okay, what were people doing before TV, before light bulbs, before, you know, technology? What were they doing then? And how can we, you know, merge the two together in a way that makes sense? So that's kind of where we're getting to with long-term partnerships, um, where it's like, okay, great, we can expect all this stuff, but are we ourselves actually ready to offer it or receive it? Um, and so that's sort of the discrepancy that I'm seeing is like you have this enlightened idea of partnership that is being engaged in or thought of or whatever by people who are not ready to be that self-actualized. So, you know, if you're going to have a, an expression-based marriage you kind of have to be aware of expression and you have to be aware of what it means to be a full spectrum human. Like every single aspect of being a human, you not only have to be accepting of it because ultimately that version of marriage requires absolute and total unconditional love and acceptance. So I think what we're kind of the, this wall that we're hitting here is that, yes, this is what people expect, but it's not what people are ready to give, um, which again is why that, why healing your wounds and becoming aware of them is so crucial because it's almost like the concept of society is more evolved than society is capable of being right now. Um, which is great because that means we have goals to reach. That means that we are trying to be better because if we were like, oh, what we have now is great, like the love-based marriage where I'm like one person around my spouse and a different person by myself, that's good enough. If that's kind of where we were at and we were okay with that, then evolution would stop and we would all just cease to exist at some point. Like, you need to have those big ideas. So it's great that we have this concept of marriage and this concept of love and this concept of partnership, but we're not ready. We're just not ready for it yet. So the question then becomes, 
how do we become ready? Because that expression-based marriage, like that ability to be completely expressing of who you are to the core, I mean, obviously that's like great. Obviously that is something that most people would not argue that they want. Um, and when you think about your home and you think about the foundation of your family and you think about what you want your kids to see growing up, what you want to experience for the rest of your life, when you really consider these ideas and these really big questions, you really want to know, like, how can I create that completely self-aware, self-expressive, all unconditional, all-in marriage? Like, how can I create that for my family? Because really, if the whole point of having a self-actualized family, if the whole way of doing that is to have unconditional love, then obviously it starts with you and it starts with your partner. Um, because you can't, like, it doesn't matter how amazing of a parent you are. It doesn't matter how amazing of a person you are. Like, you could give your kids unconditional love all day. And if you don't have the same thing for your partner and your partner doesn't have the same thing for you, it's not unconditional love. Because if you really, really get down to the idea of what unconditional love is, it should be unconditional across the board, regardless of who the person is, what the person has done or is doing. It doesn't mean you have to agree with everything. It doesn't mean you have to like everything they do. It doesn't mean that you have to allow them to do whatever they want to do. It just means that you have love and you give love and you create love and you make love out of thin air because that's all that you have to give to another human being. Um, and, you know, I would argue that you can't truly have unconditional love for your children or for yourself if you can't have it for everyone else, especially for your spouse, especially for your life partner, especially for whatever significant other you have in your life. If you can't have it for them and you can't model it for your kids, then you're really not helping them to experience it because it's not, it's not unconditional. It's conditional to them being who they are. And what happens if they stop being who they are and they start acting more like your spouse? Well, in their minds, the love is gone, right? So... So really to be able to create that foundation for your kids, to be able to create that foundation for your family, <clears throat> it starts with you and your partner. Whoever it is that you're creating a home with, that's where it starts. So again, the question, how? <laughs> Sorry if this recording is a little bit choppy. I have to stop and drink water a lot because my throat is just terrible from the sickness. So um, anyway, so it really, I mean, it obviously it starts with you doing your own work and it doesn't necessarily, I mean, you can't force your partner to do anything. So if you're listening to this episode and you're like, okay, how do I get, I'm doing the work, but how do I get them to do it? Well, you can't. That's pretty much the, that's the downside is that 
you can't force anyone to do what you want them to do. Um, you can't even, you just can't force anyone to do anything. So if your whole idea right now is like, okay, how do I make them change? Well, then go back, do the childhood wounds work and ask yourself why you need them to change in order to be satisfied with them. Um, because, you know, I mean, you chose this person at one point or another, you decided to be with them and you did that for better or for worse. You, you know, especially if you have kids with them, like, you know, they're, they're part of your life. They're in it now, unless they're just literally dangerous, you know, then yeah, they're pretty much, they're pretty much there. So, so even though we're talking about relationships, the focus is really going to be on you still. Um, and the focus is always going to be on you. I mean, none of these episodes are going to be a step-by-step, you know, instruction on how to get someone else to change. (laughs) That is not something you're going to hear from me as much as I would love to be able to meddle in other people's internal world and change them. Uh, that's just not something you can do. Um, and it doesn't matter how much they love you or how much they care about you. Uh, and it's really not personal if they decide not to change. Um, so that's just kind of something that you have to learn to work with. But if you do love this person and you do want to have this unconditional, full-on acceptance relationship with them and you want to be able to create this house with them, um, then let's get into how to do that. So I think the first step is to let go of expectations. Um, And this is kind of the overcorrection of that, you know, expression-based marriage going from the love-based to the expression-based. This is why we're sort of in this overcorrection right now, because every time there's something new, you're going to have to learn how to navigate it. And so we kind of have this idea in our minds that this expression-based partnership should basically look like a savior kind of a thing. Like there's a lot of savior complex in the younger generations. I mean, maybe it's always been there, but it's especially, it's like everyone wants a savior and everyone wants to be a savior. Um, And then you have trauma bonds and then you have all this stuff where it's basically like, we think that the right person will never cause us any problems. Um, and that's, it's kind of a, kind of an epidemic. It's like, that's kind of like the big problem that I see in relationships right now is people just think if they're, if they were right for me, I wouldn't feel bad right now. Um, and I mean, I've fallen into this trap as well for the longest time for many, many years, especially in the beginning of my marriage. I just kept thinking like, he wouldn't hurt me if he were the right guy. Like, so did I make a mistake? Is this the right thing? Am I supposed to be here? Or is the, is my, like, soulmate waiting for me? <clears throat> and, you know, I mean, the reality is, is, like, relationships can teach you a lot of stuff. Relationships are amazing learning tools, and that's really it. Um, they're not, they can be fairly healing, you know, and that's kind of where that 
Like it's okay to depend on your partner for your healing process. It's okay to like need them to like hug you and to sit with you while you are processing things. It's okay. I mean, you do have to be respectful of the times when they're ready for that and when they can actually emotionally handle your emotions. You know, you need that kind of respect for them. But, you know, assuming that you're, they're emotionally available to hear what you have to say in that moment, like it's okay to need someone there to hear what you have to say. Um, you know, so that's okay, but you just can't expect them to know the right thing to say. You know, it, again, it's kind of where like we're almost expecting our partner to be a therapist and it's like they didn't go to school for eight years just to be married to you. <laughs> like they didn't do that. So they don't even have all the right information. They have their own trauma. They have their own, you know, baggage. They have their own bias. They have their own un unconscious behaviors. They have all of this kind of working against them in that way. And, um, you know, part of part of you being there for them is accepting the fact that they're not always going to be able to save you. And they're probably actually never going to be able to save you. Even if they say the right thing in the right moment, that feeling is going to come back until you save you. Um, and it's not going to go away until you solve it and you deal with it and you create, you know, so like, it's like this path to enlightenment is lonely in the sense that you're the only one who can actually help yourself. But it's also, you know, it's also not lonely in the sense that, you know, you can have a sounding board to help you uncover whatever thoughts and ideas and mindsets and whatever it is and, you know, epiphanies that you need in order to heal yourself. And that's sort of where that that expression-based marriage comes in. It's you get to express yourself freely so you can find the tools within yourself to save yourself. And maybe every once in a while, your partner will have some profound idea where you're like, oh, that's helpful, thank you. And maybe the fact that they're willing to love you through all of it, maybe that alone is a really helpful experience in your healing process. I mean, it will never hurt you to have unconditional love. So, you know, so that's kind of where they, they can step in to be the sort of savior for you. But it's really, it's not going to come in the form of them always knowing the right thing to say, always putting themselves aside, always choosing to help you even when they're not emotionally ready to, never making you feel bad, never, you know, like that's not going to happen. And that's, you know, I guess sort of the next point is you're just going to have to choose it. Like, I mean, that's literally, and I, I just kind of had that epiphany. I mean, I've heard that a lot. You know, people always say love is a choice. You know, being married to someone means choosing them every day, blah, blah, blah. Like we hear that all the time. And then there was just one day where I was like, you know, really pushing back. I was really feeling bad. I was sitting there, I was getting in my own head and I was going on this loop-de-loop -loop of thoughts of like, oh, I'm feeling bad right now. Ian didn't do the right thing. Now I'm upset. And like, if he really loved me, that wouldn't have happened. And then blah, 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 blah. So, <clears throat> you know, like this little, 
I don't know, uh, carousel of thoughts. And it was, you know, in that moment, it was really hard to love him. And it was really hard to choose him. And that's when I was like, okay. And, and then I became unsafe for him because then his relationship became unstable. You know, his partnership, his expressive marriage was then unsafe. And I was like, okay, now I get it. Like, if I'm going to choose to live my life with him, that means that in moments like right now that are inevitably going to happen, I have to say, well, I'm still going to be here and I'm not going anywhere and I'm choosing to stay here and I'm choosing to work with you to get through this. And that was kind of like, that was really the light bulb moment for me to say, okay, so it is a choice. Like, I don't feel like loving him right now, but I'm going to choose to anyway. I feel like being defensive and running away, but I'm going to choose to love him and accept him through this so we can get through it together. And that's really sort of a concept that maybe everyone needs to have their own epiphany on. Maybe it's not a concept that it's easy to say. It's easy to... It's, it's simple enough, but it's not always very easy to understand what that actually looks like or feels like. Maybe you kind of just have to go through it in order to come to the conclusion that you understand what it means. But that is really, that's the second thing. You have to literally work hard. Even when you feel bad. Even when your defenses are coming up, even when their defenses are coming up, like, I mean, there are, there are moments where, like, I can feel my ego. I can feel it. I can feel that it's there. I can feel that I've, you know, sort of released it. I can feel that I am literally just letting my ego run the show. And I can't, and like, and it just happens. And I have to actively work really hard to move beyond that. And I mean, and then even, you know, with my husband Ian, like, I come to these conclusions sometimes where we'll just be in a fight and all of a sudden he'll get really frustrating, you know, like just really pushback, just really defensive, really, you know, aggravated, just not really being a team player. And I just kind of have to say to him, like, sorry, dude, I would rather work hard to fight with your ego and make your ego mad than to abandon you. You who's inside scared and afraid and needing love and needing acceptance. I'm trying to get to you and if I have to fight your ego to get there, then that's what I'm going to do, you know, and vice versa. So, and that's really, I mean, it's, it's essential because that ego is not going away. The ego is not going away. The bad feelings aren't going away. The fear is not going away. I don't know, you know, I mean, I've not, I've been married almost you know, like eight years and uh, I don't really know what it's like when you're married 25 years. I don't know if at some point you just wake up and you say, oh yeah, this is a guaranteed thing. We've got no more problems. I'm guessing not, <laughs> but you know, but it is just that daily active work of like, I would rather fight with your ego, fight with my ego and get through that part. And then, so in order to love 
the part of you that needs it the most. Um, and being able, that's really where the unconditional love comes in. It's just saying like, I recognize what you look like when you're scared. I recognize what you look like when you're feeling down. Like I recognize what you look like when your ego has taken over. And I recognize that when your ego is taken over, there's a scared little kid inside that needs me to love them. And I'm going to do that, even though your ego is making me want to slap you in the face. <laughs> you know? So it's really, that's the work of it. It's that, it's that battle of the egos and it's just refusing to, it's refusing to let them win. It's refusing to let your ego win. It's choosing to fight your ego and say, look, ego, you don't get to be mean to me or to him. You don't get to be mean to us because you're not helping, actually. You're actually making it much, much worse. So that's kind of the personal work that you really have to do. And it can be even harder if you have a partner that is not even trying to, to do their part to help you and to to create that self-awareness in your relationship. It can be really hard, but you also have to remember even that is a cry for help from the ego. Even that is the ego stepping in saying, I'm too afraid of what I'm going to see to face myself. Um, and I, and I can't actually tell you that if you choose to give your partner unconditional love, that eventually they'll use that to grow. I can't say, but couldn't it couldn't hurt you know and um, at the very least you get to have that feeling of growth within you because there's nothing nothing feels better than overcoming a battle of egos I mean I can do all this work by myself you know and that's really where the partnership comes into play in the growth journey it's practice and it's a lot better to practice on your partner than it is on your kids. Because if you let your ego take over with your kids, you're doing permanent damage. <laughs> if you let your ego take over with your partner, likely you just won't talk for like three hours or three days, whatever. Um, but you're not going to give them any additional trauma just by being mad at them for like a day or two. You know, you hurt them intentionally. If you like go out of your way to emotionally abuse them or physically abuse them, then yeah, okay, don't do that. But you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's better to practice on another adult, your, you know, your new enlightened mindset than it is on your child. So, you know, and I mean, really, it just, it just comes down to those two things. Like you have to be willing to work. Um, you, you just have to be willing to do the work. You have to be willing to stay. You have to be willing to do the work within yourself and do the work with them. And you have to be willing to overcome all of those defenses that you've built up because what protected you as a child is now hurting you as an adult. So that tendency to just get bullheaded and fight your way through it or that tendency to shut down and run away that's what's actually harming your relationship right now. And that expressive marriage, that expressive relationship that we're all kind of wanting, we do have to do a personal evolution in order to gain that level of fulfillment in a 
in a relationship. And I don't think that you have to wait until you're self-actualized to have to have a partner. I don't think you need to wait for anything. Like if you found the person that you want to be with, don't don't wait till you're both perfect to be with them. Don't say, oh, well, you know, I guess if we can try and be self-actualized in like five years, then we can, you know, no, it's just you find the person that you love and then you take it to the next level by becoming self-aware. And it's literally, and then you remind yourself that a love-based marriage is a great start, but it's not, it's not the max of the, that's not the maximum potential that your relationship can reach. It's an amazing start and it will definitely help you along the way, but it is not the end all say all. Um, so, you know, this isn't really to say like, you have to be perfect. You have to be self-actualized. You have to be on a spiritual journey. And if you weren't when you got married, or if you aren't right now, then there's something catastrophically wrong with your relationship. No, it's just, there's, there's a new age of what relationships are becoming, what we're capable of having in our relationships. There's like, there's just this next level. And if you want it, and you want that relationship that so many people are trying to have, it requires the work and it requires changing your expectations. Don't go and watch Disney to tell you what your spouse is supposed to be like. You don't even watch any TV because TV, honestly, and a lot of articles as well, you can kind of, if you want to have a healthy relationship, you kind of can't take the advice of TV which it's really easy. I'll watch a TV show and see like, you know, the boyfriend do something really cute. And I'm like, oh, well, Ian doesn't do that. So I bet he doesn't love me as much as he is supposed to. And then I'll start a fight with him because <laughs> he didn't bring me like chocolate or something when I was sad four weeks ago. Like, you know, so you really, you do have to change, not lower the expectations, but change the expectations. Like, would you rather have uh, you know, a husband that brings you candy, you know, when you're feeling sad, or would you rather have a husband that sits down and sees you being upset and sees you like throwing your own mini temper tantrum and loves you anyway, you know, and does the chocolate matter that much if that's the, the benchmark that you could reach? Um, and is it worth it to, to belittle or, you know, question this person in front of you because they didn't do this weird little material, you know, act or, you know, is, is it worth it to do that and ruin the potential for the complete fulfillment that you could have if you just let it go and worked on yourself and, you know, made the expectations more in line with an actual fulfilling relationship, you know? So, um, yeah. And once you kind of get in that groove of loving better, um, you'll actually be able to receive love a lot better and you'll be able to give love even better. I mean, it's all, it's all just a muscle. And if you can just exercise it, then then you get to have a really fulfilling relationship where not only do you get to 
watch yourself love in a way that, you know, I mean, because if you really get down to what love really is, you know, and you're not going to feel love all the time with your partner ever, even if you have a love-based marriage, you're not going to feel love all the time. Um, but, you know, if, if love, that feeling of love, if you could say that it is the feeling that you get when you see something beautiful, you know, like think of the last time you were, you felt loving and then think about the last time you saw something beautiful. That's kind of the same feeling, right? So if that's the whole, if that's the whole feeling that we really want, that we're going for, then we have to act beautifully to our partner. You know, we, and it's like, it pretty, any, any moment where I've received flowers or gone on a date or received chocolates or felt saved by someone, like, it does not beat the feeling of watching myself completely love someone so well. Like, watching yourself, you know, and this kind of, this is some reassurance, you know, if you do have someone that's not quite ready to to like, you know, join you on this journey um, and you're doing it kind of on your own, but you do have someone that you love, like it is so worth it just to watch yourself love them so well. I mean, it is so worth it because that is one of the, like, it's not even like a prideful experience. It's just, I don't know. You just go try Go try it. Love someone through a difficult time unconditionally and uh, see how it makes you feel. And I would say it'll probably make you feel like you're Jesus Christ himself. Like, seriously, you feel like a superhuman. But it's what we're all capable of. And we're capable of doing that always. I mean, we're always capable of that. It's literally just practice. It's just practicing to put yourself not to the side, but to love yourself so well that you are capable of loving other people even when it doesn't feel like they're giving it back because you already have enough. So that's, uh, that's the partnerships. And, um, you know, I mean, that's really just if you want to just practice this week, next time you and your partner get into a fight, just say, you know, ask yourself, how can I help the person inside? Not the person who I'm fighting with right now, but how can I, how can I fight the ego and get to the person that really needs me right now? Um, and just keep, just practice that this week and see how it feels to really work with your partner rather than, you know, just let your ego take over and, you know, so next week, we're getting into motherhood. I am really excited about that. Um, I'll be doing an overall parenting episode, but motherhood is something that for decades has not been taken very seriously, frankly. And um, I think it's an important conversation that I'm a little bit nervous about. Might be a little controversial, um, but I think it's important and I think it needs to be said. So 
look forward to that. Um, and in the meantime, you know, if you liked this episode, go ahead and share it with someone that you think would enjoy it. Um, if you do share it on Instagram, tag me at this wild home. I would love to see your thoughts. Um, would love to hear any extra ideas and opinions and all that stuff on all the things that I have to say. Um, because while it's just me talking, this is a conversation. It's ongoing. Um, so yeah. And I will see you next week. Oh, um, I'm also practicing my astrology skills. So if you go to This Wild Home on Instagram and look at my birth chart, um, or chart reading highlight, you'll see some information on some family birth chart interpretations that I am doing so I can continue to learn and grow in this skill. So if you're interested, check it out. <laughs>